And then ways to balance your blood sugar in general can be really helpful. So, you know, insulin plays a part in how breast milk is produced. And so making sure going back to like your nutrition, like having balanced protein and fat with your carbohydrates. So we try to keep our blood sugar steady. All those things, that unsexy foundations are really going to be what moves the needle. Hey mama, welcome to Tired Mom's Club with Be My Breast Friend. My name is Kristen and I am the creator of Be My Breast Friend on Instagram and BeMyBreastFriend.com. I am a mom of the four, third time exclusive pumper and CLC. Join me for the duration of your pump session, whether you're sitting in a dark room during your middle of the night pump, at work, traveling, or keeping baby occupied while you prep the next bottle. We are going to talk about all things lactation and more. Hang out with me while I share more insight behind some of my favorite pump reviews and breastfeeding products. There will also be guests. I have made friends with some of the coolest people around. We will touch on lactation education to maternal nutrition, starting your little one on solids, and sometimes just some freestyle chit-chat with my breasties. So sit back, relax, use some of that fancy hammer to trigger a letdown, and turn me up. Let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Tired Moms Club with Be My Breast Friend. And again, we have my friend Kelly Kendall from The Balanced Boob joining me today for really what is not a very complicated topic, but generally overcomplicated um, because we as mothers tend to overthink things. So Kelly and I, um, before we get into the topic of milk supply and increasing your milk supply, Um, If necessary, Kelly, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself again if they haven't heard you? Yeah, so I am Kelly Kendall. I am a nurse and an IBCLC, um, and I run the Instagram account, The Balanced Boob, and I have a breastfeeding course for families called Boob School. So Kristen and I met, God, like four years ago now, three and a half years ago when I first started my account, and I was a tiny little baby account, and she was so nice to me, and um, we've remained friends and just are constantly kind of going back and forth in our texts and talking about how we can best get this education to families, so I'm excited to be here again. Thank you. I can't believe it's been that long, honestly. That kind of made my jaw drop. Time flies really fast. Well, I'm glad that we've been able to sustain our friendship like we have. It's I'm always learning from you. You're just oh, thank like, you. endless knowledge. So I love I love using. And I love resources. sending people to you because my I do not have a mechanical brain, and so it just fascinates me that your brain works that way, and that's why you're so good at pumps and explaining pumps and hacking pumps, and I can't even like do basic like things. <laughs> so. It, to me, like the the things that you, the way you understand pumping and the mechanics of pumps is just, it's the way your cool brain works. And I just well, love being able to learn from you as well. Well, thanks, Kelly. And I love going to you. I know when Nora was born over a year ago now, you had FaceTime me and helped me with her latch. So I'm going to make sure that Kelly is linked everywhere um, in show notes and everything that she offers with boob school, boob health, everything. And, um, and if you need help latching, she's got some really great content on that too. But today we're going to pretty much stick to milk supply but see when like I have such a pumping brain like I'm an exclusive pumper that's what I'm always like my head always goes to and then like getting on quickly here with Kelly Kelly's like well that's you know you got to talk about at breast too and that's that's her like jam right like I'm all about pumps and knowing like how to make them work for you the best and then I it's ignorant of myself to be quite honest, but like, it's all boob too. Like we got to be able to hit it from all corners. So it's a little, it was interesting when you said 
it's very straightforward because I think that's can be a really pump pumping mindset just because you have specific values and immediate feedback that you're able to see, okay, at this session, I pumped this much. Over the course of the day, my output gets lower. Like you have very quantifiable values. And when you're feeding at breast, it's not that. We have to yeah. look, we have to really zoom out and there is a, an amount of like mystery and trust and kind of looking at the big picture because it's, I think, one thing I was saying before we hopped on this call is I think as moms, we're very conditioned to like immediately think it's our fault. Like, you know, mm-hmm. something happens with baby's behavior at the breast. And I don't know about you, but my first instinct was always like, it's my milk supply, when really it can be a lot of different things. And so when we're talking about nursing, it can be a little bit more complicated to pull things apart and figure out, is it supply? Is it not supply? So I think for simplicity's sake, we'll kind of assume that we're talking more pumping. And then I can talk a little bit too at the end, like about ways to kind of know your baby's getting enough at the breast as well. Yeah. Let's just, I guess, like pepper in the sin from left and right. I feel like this would actually, because you and I, when we do this, we just shoot from the hip. We don't really have, yeah. we don't have any notes, which I mean, maybe a disadvantage. Sorry. I don't know. But <laughs> no, that, I like this though. Cause then it's like, they're always just authentic, like genuine conversation, you know, and, and I think peppering in this information from all directions, I think is just, it's insightful. And I think too, like going back to how I had said, it's like more straightforward. It's also, again, at my own disadvantage, because I've been pumping for so long, five years. Believe me when I say it was not easy when I started, I had no idea what I was doing. And I remember like wanting to increase my supply, even though I, I knew I didn't, which we should get into that too. Like I did not have to increase my milk supply. I was making godly amounts of milk, but I just saw from like all ends of social media thinking like I needed to make this huge abundant amount of milk. And then I remember talking to my sister and I was like, Lisa, I've been trying to increase my milk supply. It's been a day, 24 hours. And I remember she's like, Kristen, it doesn't work like that. And, you know, and it really took me time to realize and more education, of course, like to really understand like how milk production is produced. And And I think probably that's the big thing from either side, from a nursing um, directly at the breast or a pumping standpoint is really determining, do you actually have a low milk supply or are, are we just, you know, made to feel that way because of all of the stuff that we see on social media and these freezers full of milk? And I think it's, you know... In general, when you're feeding at the breast, if your baby is gaining appropriately on your milk, you do not have a low milk supply. Um, So we're looking at things like weight trends, diapers, and generally, is baby seeming satisfied at the breast? Those are kind of the big things. And with pumping, you're certainly able to see volumes. But if you want to just talk about like what's a normal, if I don't know anything, what's a normal pump volume? A normal pump volume. So I mean, you're you're also going back to like what like at breast, you're considering like three, four, three to five ounces, I would say is probably going to be your typical. Cause I also, also, I go back to like bottle size as well, like in my head. Um, Cause that's, that's, I got to a point in my pumping journey where if I pumped between three to five ounces, like any other day of my five years of pumping, I would have been like, oh my gosh, like this is really low. But now I'm in this mindset and understanding that, no, this is what I need. Because also I'm not looking to build a stash. I just want to feed my baby, quite honestly. And if I'm pumping three to five ounces in a session, generally I would like to hit the higher end, of course, 
just because I could have maybe a little bit more for later and like start to snowball like a bit of a supply just to keep in the fridge. But three to five ounces, if you're pumping that across both breasts, I mean, I would be, I'm certainly happy with that. Yeah. I think that it's between two to five ounces combined is like a normal yield, typical yield. Um, It's less if you're pumping after your baby has fed at the breast. So that's also a misconception. A lot of moms think they should be getting ounces of milk after baby's fed, but it's really normal to get very little after baby's fed at the breast if they did a really good job draining you. And another important thing is your supply doesn't stay constant over the course of the day. We're we're looking at like over the volume over 24 hours. So if you're making typically the total volume a baby would take or that we would expect you to be able to produce is between 25 and 32 ounces in 24 hours total. And I know like for you, you and m- most moms are going to get a really big, the biggest pump yield first pump of the day. That morning pump is really when people see the biggest. Yeah, yield. absolutely. And also going back, so I just pulled out my phone and just because I'm not a very big mathematical whiz here, um, if you're pumping 25 ounces a day total, like we just mentioned, and you divide that by like eight feedings a day, you're talking three ounces in a bottle. So right. it goes right back to, um, right back to our point of two, two to five ounces, as you said, for uh, across both breast yield for a pump session. Yeah. And just going off of this, one thing that I heard, learned from Kaya at Low Supply Mom, she, if you don't follow her, go and follow her right now. She is a wealth of information. But from a supply perspective, one thing that you can do to make a big difference, not necessarily, you know, changing the amount of frequency of your pumps, maybe you're still pumping seven times in 24 hours, but making sure you're pumping during your high prolactin periods of time, which are from midnight to 4 a.m., which I know is when we all want to be sleeping, but that is when we're going to get the biggest yield and the most impactful thing for your milk supply. I have an old post um, that I talk about that I got from Kaya um, where she talks about just kind of shifting some of your pump sessions. So you're really making sure that you're hitting that prolactin window. And so your longer stretch of sleep ideally is in the beginning of the night versus so maybe you go to sleep at eight and you sleep eight to midnight. That's your longer chunk. And then you're getting it more frequently in the later part of the night. And even not even changing the total times you're pumping over the course of the day, but making a shift like that can even yield more milk in 24 hours. That's such a great suggestion. And that's such a cool way of looking at it, too. And it's it's extremely valid. I know everyone that's like the last thing anyone wants to hear. You know, everyone sees there's they're going to see the title of this podcast and come running and then they're going to hear that and turn us off. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> wah, wah. yeah, but it's true. You know, like you see, um, I know my DMs are always full of like, how do I make my how do I increase my milk supply? Like I bought all of like these lactation treats and I bought these supplements and I did everything. What am I doing? And I'm like, OK, well, let's talk from a, another angle. Like, let's see which pump are you using? Because I cannot tell you how many moms, you know. And this is, I I know you've heard me say it before, like advertising gets the best of us and you get all of, you know, a lot of advertising of like the the Willow and the LV and like all these mobiles in your bra pump. And, you know, I, I see it often. I see it on Facebook more and I don't go on there because it upsets me so much. 
but I'll see mom say, I'm doing two weeks. I just got my LV pump. I can't wait to start pumping. And I'm like, oh my God, please don't do that. And then I'll get the messages from these moms like way down the road saying, I really wish I would have seen, I really wish I would have seen, you know, your chats about like mobile pumping and how they're meant for just that to not like start your exclusive pumping journeys off with like these awesome expensive pumps that in all reality are not meant for number one exclusive pumping because that's not what the motors are built for they don't seat on the breast properly enough to effectively move milk people like there's just there's a lot of misconception and from and it's all delivered from advertising i blame advertising for everything yeah i think it's like the unsexy truth of milk supply it's like hitting those foundational stuff like we all want the easy answer we all want to say okay, what's going to get me fast results? What's going to be easiest? I'll throw money at it. I'll take the supplement. I'll eat the cookie. I'll do whatever. But really, if we don't have the foundational stuff, do we have a effective pump that is effectively removing milk or a baby who is effectively removing milk at the breast? And are we doing that frequently enough? And so those are like the those are the foundations. Another foundation, obviously, that I just want to touch on, and we're not specifically talking about chronic low supply or insufficient glandular tissue in this particular podcast. Low supply mom has a lot on that, and that deserves its own attention. But there are some moms that will have either pre-existing issues with the amount of milk-making tissue in their breast, the amount of glandular tissue, or perhaps something like hormonal things like hypothyroid, low prolactin levels, or low blood sugar issues. So if you are doing the foundational things, you know you have a good pump, you have been removing milk early on, you've been hand expressing, like you're doing those foundational things, you're massaging with your, your hands, and you're still not seeing a normal milk supply, that is definitely... an indication to meet with an IBCLC and dig deeper. So I don't want to pretend that like there aren't complicated issues because there are, but really we want to be dealing with low hanging fruit first. Like what do we got to make sure we're doing? And that's, are we removing milk effectively and are we doing it frequently enough? And when we talk about removing milk effectively, of course, from my point of view, my head goes straight to a pump. But then from your point of view as an IBCLC and dealing with clients day in and day out, you're also talking about getting that sufficiently latch, which you ran, you talk about nonstop over at the balance boob, which is extremely helpful. Yeah, latching is, is really important. Like I said, it can be more challenging because we don't have, our baby doesn't have like a gauge on them telling us exactly how much they're getting. So there is an amount of like self-trust and confidence that just gets built over time with breastfeeding. But, you know, it like for instance, with a baby with a tongue tie or something like that, there are some babies that are not effectively able to remove milk well at the breast. And in those cases, that's where you're going to be working with an IBCLC to try to, you know, deal with that. But also you may need to be doing some pumping in there as well, because that's going to be important. We got to keep, keep that milk moving to tell our body to continue to produce. Yeah, absolutely. Bringing that in if baby is not 
moving. I uh, I actually have a friend currently who's in my my text messages, and unfortunately, I moved away from her, so I can't even go visit her. But um, she thought that everything was going well, and I think they were in, they were told like, oh no, baby, everything looks good. And then like she continues to lose weight, and but she's also like right now she's newly postpartum, and she's got all of her hormones driving her supply, and baby's probably living off of her letdowns. Yeah, you know, yeah. so it's so important to. Um, just to make sure, I mean, if you're not seeing the results in the diapers and the yeah. response from the baby that we're moving milk in other ways than just baby, because I feel really, I am sure she's not the only one. I'm sure it's quite common, you know, but hopefully not as common as I'm getting in my text. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely really stressful. And that's the kind of thing where it can be helpful. You know, if you have a baby who isn't gaining well, um, working with an IBCLC and doing something called a weighted feed. So what that means is we would weigh baby in just like a dry diaper. We would feed baby at the breast and then we would weigh baby later with a very, very accurate scale. So this is like my scale is like $1,000. So don't think that you can just like stand on there. That will give you a very, very approximate. That's not going to tell you how much exactly they get. So doing a weighted feed with an IBCLC, for instance, like if baby was seven pounds before the feeding and now they're seven, 3.8, that tells me they took 3.8 ounces during the feed. So we are able to use that tool to help us help guide us when we're dealing with direct breastfeeding and, and how much milk baby is able to move. It's funny you say that because I absolutely fell in that trap. Well, when I say trap, I just thought like I went I went to see an IBCLC um, with my my multiples many years ago now, six years ago. And I remember they wait. She did a weighted feed, although she was I it wasn't a very good experience. However, um, she put her on put the kids on the, the scale and I was like, oh, a scale. All right, I'll go home and buy a scale. And then I was weighing my kids. But it was goofy because I was hardly feeding at the breast because I just couldn't get latches out of them. Um, yeah. And that's what really, you know, set off my exclusive pumping journey. But yeah, that's that's a really great point to be made because I, I fell into that. I saw the IBCLC at the time use a scale and I just thought, OK, like I'm going to get one for myself, you know. So yeah, And those can be used like how I usually tell people is like that might be something where you weigh if it's helpful for you to you weigh them every couple of days or once a week. And so you can follow just the trend over time and not necessarily being doing specific weighted feeds. Yeah. And you can make yourself really crazy too. Just people will kind of get obsessed with it and it kind of can can really fuel postpartum anxiety. So we want Absolutely. to be mindful of that as well. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think there's also a lot of times people want to know like what cookie or supplement they could take. So I'll just there was a study that came out. Lactation consultants have been saying this for a while, people in the lactation community, but They did do a study in the last year where they tried lactation cookies in moms and really found it not to be effective at all. And if we are looking at doing supplements like herbal galactagogues is what they're called, a cookie or a tea is going to be the least potent way of receiving that galactagogue. So you would, if we're looking at something like moringa, for instance, you're probably going to get a lot less volume if that's in like a cookie or a, a granola bar versus taking that supplement directly. Um, And even herbal galactagogues, there really isn't a consensus in the lactation literature that like one is way better than the other. I think they do, you know, usually these things are really like 
healthy in general. So I think making sure, you know, when you, Allegra is another great resource if you don't follow Allegra at Aloha Nutrition. She has a lot of great stuff on her website. So again, it's like the unsexy foundation Mm -hmm. is like, are you eating enough calories? (laughs) Like, you know, are you getting protein? Like those things are probably going to move the needle. Are you having enough minerals? Like those Mm -hmm. things are going to move the needle versus like eating a shit diet excuse me, no. and, and then taking eating a bunch of lactation cookies or trying to take a supplement. I That's another thing that reason why I stay away from Facebook is I see often like my pumping cart, like got it ready to go for middle of the night. And I'm guilty. Of, I mean, I'm guilty of this as far as like bakery muffins go, but I'll see. Cause I remember I used to load up cause I'm like, I need all the calories, you know, this is six years ago. And I remember the only thing that happened was my butt got big. Like it yeah. didn't do me any favors. And like, you know, you see often like Oreos help milk supply, you know, and I'm like, Oh Lord help us. But yeah, it's, it's interesting to see like what you, cause I'll be I'll, when I go on Pinterest now I've been going on more frequently because I'm diving a little deeper in there and now it's in my algorithm and a lot of things are coming up and I'll see how I increase my milk supply in 48 hours and I'm like well I got to click on this I got to know mm-hmm. you know and it's always the same thing eat 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 and it's like eat a bunch of crud like I don't that's not you know and you guys know Allegra because she's also a guest here frequently so we'll make sure she's you know tagged again in the show notes but she She's wonderful and it's really eye-opening in such a an alternative thought process and obviously the like better of the two just how to feel yourself in all the right ways and not a bunch of junk food to increase your milk supply. I think too talking about herbs fenugreek is one to touch on. I never recommend fenugreek. Yeah, that's not one that I would go to first because it's very like inconsistent in whether it helps people or not. And for some people, there is some evidence that it may even like decrease supply and there can be GI side effects. So like it can cause like bloating and gas and stuff like that. Um, So that wouldn't be my first one to reach to. Usually like if I'm working with moms, things that can be interesting to look at are um, things like goat's rue can be helpful for, um, can help build more mammary tissue. And for some moms who have a you know, we know they have insufficient glandular tissue. That can be something that you can consider starting kind of at the end of pregnancy. And then ways to balance your blood sugar in general can be really helpful. So, you know, insulin plays a part in how breast milk is produced. And so making sure going back to like your nutrition, like not eating a bunch of like having balanced protein and fat with your carbohydrates. So we try to keep our blood sugar steady, all those things that the unsexy foundations are Mm -hmm. really going to be what moves the needle. Um, And I, we kind of were on this, that's how we even started talking today. We're on sort of the same wavelength talking about, I made a post frequency trumps duration and you were talking about mini sessions. And that's Mm -hmm. another thing that I think a lot of moms don't realize. They're like, oh shoot, I don't have much time. So next time I pump in three and a half hours, I'm going to pump for 35 minutes or 40 minutes. And Mm -hmm. You are much better off squeezing in a five, seven minute pump and then trying to do, make it up with a longer session later on. 
Absolutely. And that's another common one too. Like, okay, if I skipped a session, what should I do at my next? And I'm like, don't skip it. If you can get into it and just get 10 minutes in. And I know I'm, I, this is going to be kind of, you know, I take it if you want, use the advice if you want, don't, if you don't. Um, but I personally, I like to multitask when I pump. So like if it's a drive home and I can get like 15 minutes in, oftentimes I'll share about pumping while I'm driving. And then there's always someone that tells me how dangerous it is. So that's going to be, that's like a, you, you know, you make up your mind on how you feel about that. Um, but anytime I can just get a couple extra minutes in between like two destinations or whatever, I just, I prefer to move milk to help encourage milk to be produced rather than waiting those longer times. Because, and I hear this a lot too, and um, I actually have a post, it's pretty old, but I had shared, um, cause I used to, I used to watch my schedule or my, my volumes like clockwork. And when I would go longer times in between pump sessions, sometimes I would see a slight increase in production. So people would say, cause this happens all the time too. Oh, well, when I go longer, I make more, more, more milk. And I'm like, okay, well the way I like to describe this temporarily, you do. Te- exactly. Temporarily in the way that's exactly right. That's exactly how I like to go dive into this. I call it autopilot. Like your body knows how much milk it's making over the course of let's call it 24 hours. So I'm skipping a session. I might be still producing a slight bit more while I'm getting to that next session. But over time, that's only going to backfire because now your body is being signaled, okay, we're leaving this milk in our breast for longer durations. We must not need it. Now we're going to start decreasing our milk supply. And so if you go into this mindset thinking the longer I wait between sessions, the more milk I'm going to make, unfortunately, over a week, two weeks, you're going to see just the opposite. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's such an important point because a lot of moms will get that reinforcement like, oh, wow, I got six ounces this time or seven ounces. Like, But really over time, that really is not going to do your milk supply any favors. So, you know, making sure that you're removing that milk frequently enough and effectively enough. And I think, you know, what you touched on a little bit is how helpful hands-on massage is for emptying. So, um, a really interesting, you know, research. Dr. Jane Morton is one of the a, a neonatologist at Stanford, and she's the one that really did a lot of spearheaded a lot of research on hand expression. And her website, First Droplets, is really very interesting. But she's one of these people that studied specifically moms in the NICU and how important hands-on massage was for yielding more milk. If you go to First Droplets, you can look at that research. But essentially, moms that use their hands, especially early pumping when your volume hasn't really increased much, moms that massage and compress during pumping end up yielding a lot more milk. And so that can be really helpful. Another thing that can be kind of helpful as well is hand expressing after you've pumped. So the you kind of a good analogy is like kind of wringing out the washcloth the pump gets most of the milk but if we use our hands for a few minutes afterwards you can kind of squeeze out that really high fat milk and get your breasts really empty and that's going to help encourage your body to make more milk so definitely you're one of these people that i think you're so good at knowing your body and knowing what a difference it makes to have use your hands while you're pumping yeah, I find it extremely helpful. It helps me trigger letdowns. And I 
I also talk about how I don't I don't like the suction of a pump. I don't like the feel of the pump. So when I'm using hands-on massaging, for me, it helps relax me. And then when I'm relaxed and not tensed up and stressed out, I'm able to achieve letdowns, you know, to yield more milk and usually typically uh, multiple letdowns because I'll sit there for a duration of time. But yeah, it's absolutely essential. And um, there was, oh, also like not there's, that's a whole nother conversation about pumps and quality of pumps and how you respond to pumps. But oftentimes moms, I'm not very good at hand expressing. I can't sit there. I, my hands start killing me, mm-hmm. but I get DMS from moms often. Like I just hand expressed and I just expressed like two ounces or something wild. I'm like, good for you because that, you know, that's incredible. Some people just, they, they uh, respond better to their hand expression or even a, a mo- um, what do you call it? A manual pump, a hand pump, a hand pump better way to put it. Yeah. So I think I remember, I can't remember when you told me this, I think it was years ago, but you said you'll even get more milk if you just have your hands on your breast. Yeah. Like even resting your hands there, like our own touch is a really, really powerful tool for increasing oxytocin. And like even having your hands on your breast cues your body that you're safe and the right hormones start to flow. And I think I use this analogy, so hopefully if you have kids in the car, I'll, you can turn the volume down. Um, but what makes expressing of milk better and easier is the same things that make SEX better and easier. So like yeah. feeling safe, not judging yourself, going slow, using your hands, being warm enough, like all of these things are are going to help your milk to let down. So if you're stressed, if you're staring at your bottles, not filling, I tell people, cover them up. You can put socks on those bottles. Do not look and play around with what works better for you. Sometimes moms will find like, oh, if I just like literally read the tabloids or watch something mindless on TV, that really helps me. Some moms will look at pictures of their babies, but kind of where your head is out. And I know, especially if you're worried about supply, like that's really hard because you are looking and you are nervous and you are judging, but really that kind of can create a physiologic response in you that it's going to make it harder for your body to let down that milk. Absolutely. And I talk about this often too, like in the morning, I know we got to wrap it up in like a minute when I, in the morning, I've got four children. And when I just like got done with my last pumping journey, which I'm about to hit another one shortly, because I'm currently pregnant, but I waking up in the morning and trying to get that first session in the day. And my kids are driving me mad. Like I can't even sit to real, I can't relax or even going back six years ago when my husband like would be up my butt, like, you know, about whatever the case may Mm be, I would have to stop. Like I can't, I can't, I'm too stressed out to pump. Like I can't relax. I can't achieve a letdown and um, it's okay to stop and come back. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's a really key, key. If you're yelling at your kids, even for you, even for a a pumper of, of five years, whose you know, body is really responsive to the pump and all those things. It's still hard. Like when you're pumping out cortisol, you are pumping out oppositional hormones to oxytocin. So that can make things even even trickier. And I think that's one of the challenges with a lot of wearable pumps is, you know, people will think they can just like be walking around their workplace or, you know, and it it not only can those be just 
not designed to be used as a primary pump. The motor isn't as strong, all those things you were talking about earlier. But, you know, if you're trying to teach a classroom of kindergartners that, and you're, you know, it's chaos, your body may not be able to have as good of a letdown as if, you know, you're able to stop. And I get that that's not the case that everybody's able to do that, but something to just be mindful of. So you learn your body and, and how to optimize that if you can. I think that's an excellent point. That's so true. I, I talk about it often, but I guess I didn't connect the dots so well. That's, I mean, that's so valid that, yeah, absolutely. Stop and relax, remove yourself if you have yeah, to. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Like I really, if, if you're like a surgeon or a, a ER nurse, message us because I'm really curious if you find that, you know, you're able to like be in a really, really high stress situation and still be removing milk. That would be very interesting yeah. to, to find just- out conduct our own little study. Yeah, that's right. We're going to put Kristen in her house with all of her hungry children and see if she's able to have a letdown. Everybody's screaming and hitting each other. That's so funny. It's so true. It's, it's yeah, it's crazy around here. Um, I feel like I took you on the pump, on a pump conversation. And I feel kind of guilty right now. No, I, I love talking to you about anything. So I'm happy okay. to be here. I'm glad we did this spontaneous, yeah. spontaneous convo and we'll have to do more of them. Absolutely. Well, thank you again for joining me. And I hope that you found this helpful. It probably didn't answer, it it answered your question, I'm sure, but I'm sure it also was kind of like, ah, Unsexiest answer to milk supply. Sorry. We always tell you the truth though. Always, always. Well, thank you for joining us and thank you for being here, Kelly, as always. All right. Okay. Talk to you later. Bye.